Okay, I'm gonna throw up um, an image on the screen, and the second you see it, I want you to just bark out what it is. Here it comes. You just tell us exactly what it is. What is it? The Leaning Tower of Pisa. Exactly. I mean, this thing's iconic. Everyone knows what it is. Everyone has seen stuff about it. You know, its popularity has been noted. Also, if you Google Leaning Tower of Pisa, not right now, if you Google it, you're going to see all kinds of pictures of people, you know, putting themselves into it and pretending that they're holding it up, like this couple right here. Um, you know, that is a common thing. You're going to find if you Google Leaning Tower of Pisa, um, obviously some people hold it up with maybe a little less effort than that, like this man right here. <laughs> now, some people wonder how did it come to be leaning? Well, right now the police are looking for this man uh, for most likely starting the whole thing. Now, some people have gotten crazy creative with this Leaning Tower Pisa. Like, uh, one individual has made it portable to be able to be put in his backpack and taken around with him. <clears throat> uh, another individual turned it into some food that they can enjoy. And uh, isn't, that, isn't that crazy creative? <clears throat> then someone even said, you know what, forget about us, let's get the pets involved. Uh, in this whole thing, and here is their dog holding up the tower. Okay, one of my favorites, one of my favorites of all time is this individual goes to Italy on his vacation. He gets one shot with a leaning tower Pisa, and this is what happens. This is what happens. It's a total fail. <clears throat> so here's what he did. So he asked, he put it on the internet. Big mistake. He put it on the internet and said, I need some help with those who know how to Photoshop can you get me to be holding up the Leaning Tower Pisa? So here's, here's one help that he got through the whole thing. They tipped it down to him. Someone else said, you know, let's just shift this thing a little bit and uh, make it be so that he can hold it up that way. And this is what they did. <clears throat> one of my favorites is this person, absolutely no mercy with him. Let's just move your arm over there. You know, um, many already know the Leaning Tower of Pisa isn't named the Leaning Tower of Pisa. It's just the Tower of Pisa. This thing was started in construction about 850 years ago. And it took 199 years to build the Tower of Pisa. And in construction, they never realized what would happen. I want you to know, it's leaning not because of anything from the surface up. It's leaning because of what you can't see, what's under the surface. Everything hidden from view is completely responsible for the reason why that thing has started to shift. Right now it leans at a four-degree lean. It was all the way up to five and a half percent degree lean and they've been doing some mediation work here and moving it back and they've gotten it to four percent and they're leaving it there but it's a help for us to realize because oftentimes in our day of superficiality everyone looks at the structure what an amazing structure when they look at the bell tower there of pisa the leaning tower of pisa what an amazing structure but you realize it is what is underneath the surface that really counts
that really determines the, the solidity of our lives, the strength of our future, if we fade, if we tilt, if we stand firm. And this is, this is the whole account that we're going to be reading today from Matthew chapter 7. This is a different Easter message than what I've ever done. This is my 30th Easter message. So I'm taking us on a mini detour, and here today we're going to be talking about the other rock of Easter. And we celebrate today a movable stone that has shifted and Jesus Christ was risen. But I also want to turn our attention to another stone, a rock, that does not shift. And the reality of this is, while we celebrate a movable stone in front of the tomb, a steady life is based upon the immovable rock that's to be our foundation for living. So I'm going to read for you this account of Jesus. I'm going to tell you a little bit about it, and then I'm going to give you two truths, and then we're going to finish up this morning. So here's, here's how it works in Matthew chapter 7, 24 to 29, it says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose up, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as teachers of the law. Here's where this text came from and where it's going. So Jesus just finished up preaching his longest message in writing, the Sermon on the Mount. And this sermon is broken into five sections that correspond with the five books of the law, the books of Moses, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And essentially, when Jesus ended up preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he, he is telling people, I am the new Moses. I'm bringing the new law for a new kingdom, for your new life. This is something superior to the past. And as he expresses these truths, he ends up actually breaking these sections up with words like this. You have heard it was said the old way, but I tell you, this is Jesus. Here's the new way. And he goes through this teaching throughout this whole Sermon on the Mount over these three chapters. And following this long message, Jesus ends up with what we just read, the very picturesque analogy that's the defining mark, friends, of not what we want people to see, the tower, what's really most important for holding us up, the foundation. That's where Jesus goes. You know, our society puts all the emphasis on the structure Everything about the surface, what people see, Jesus finishes his message by putting the emphasis on what's underneath the surface, what people don't see. I want to give you these two truths about this, and then we're going to hammer it home here at the end. Here's number one. The mark of wisdom isn't information, but obedience. 
It's obedience. So there's two exact phrases almost in Matthew chapter 7. It's verses 24 and 26. I'm going to pop them up on the screen for you. Look at these verses. They're almost identical except for a couple words. It says, he who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. That's the wise person. And then he mentions the foolish one. He who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice. So Jesus finishes this with the ultimate reality check. The solidity of our foundation is based upon obedience to what Jesus says. And so in this passage, he's contrasting the Pharisees that knew everything about the law with those who practiced it personally in their attitudes and behavior. And I'm gonna tell you, when I was growing up in church, I got stickers, I got candy, I got all of these things. If you're in attendance today, sticker. You learned the lesson today, sticker. You said the verse today, candy. You brought a friend today, extra candy. There's all these motivations for all these things you do. I'm going to tell you, being in attendance is good. Learning the lesson is good. Bringing a friend is good. Knowing the verse is good. But you know, the more knowledge, the more recognition I got for all of these things that I was doing, really, there wasn't a sticker for obedience. You know that? You know, all of my attendance, my knowledge, my doing sword drills. You remember the sword drills back in the day? Memorizing. The more knowledge, the more recognition, the more recognition, the more sense I got that I was spiritual. I've arrived. Everyone's recognizing me for what I'm accomplishing and for what I understand. I was doing it. I was reaching my destination with God. But you know what? These things were all what is on the surface. No one talked about the subsurface. Where I really was, what was really going on in my heart, if I was really taking in and living it out through my life, no one saw my foundation. Now, there is a euphoria that comes when we learn more. And I enjoy it as well. When the light bulb goes on and we get a sense of accomplishment, We debate with others. We can teach others. We may now know more than others. So when I went to college, um, there's freshman. Then after freshman is? Sophomore. Sophomore, yeah. I don't know if you know it, but sophomore is made up of two words in the Greek. Sophos. Which actually also comes from the Latin and here's, here's what it means. It's this idea of exclamation of praise. It's an applause or congratulations oftentimes associated with someone who knows things or has accomplished things or has said things well. So, sophos, sophos, congratulations, you have learned things. The second part of the word, moros. 
Guess what word we get in the English for that? Moron. Congratulations, you know something, moron. Isn't that really encouraging? Sophomore. It's almost what Jesus is saying here. Congratulations, you know something. But that's not the end. That's that's your structure. That's from the surface up. Where is your heart? Where is the obedience? Where's the follow-through? Where's the reliance on Jesus Christ? And you know, there's a real self-deception because I've been there time and time again. There's this big self-deception because I now grasp this. I know it. I can repeat it. I can tell others. I can debate others and win that now I'm spiritual. Here's the verse that says there's a self-deception in that. It's James 1, 22. Because James says, um, be doers of the word and not hearers only. Would you say the last part with me? Deceiving. Self-deception. I know it. I know it. I heard it. And James says, you know, there's a tremendous self-deception in that euphoria. I've got it down. I can take others on. The little catchphrase I give you here this morning, I think Jesus would get across, information is cheap, obedience is priceless. Especially today, about everything is at your fingertips. You can just Google, hey, what is this? What is that? What does the Bible say about this? Boom, it's just rattling off to us, you know, and information comes quickly. Obedience is priceless. Putting it into practice, acting on and living out the words of Jesus are invaluable. It's, it's like the old story of the preacher who came up and he preached his message on a Sunday morning and everyone thought, boy, that's great, and they left. The next Sunday, the pastor got up and preached the identical message again. And of course, people start wondering, did he know he did that last week? And then they leave. The third week, the preacher gets up and tells the same exact message. And then some people are like, what is up with Pastor. The fourth week, the same message, and finally a guy says, I need to talk to him. He pulls him aside and says, Pastor, um, do you realize that you have preached the same message for four weeks? And the pastor said, yes, and I'm going to keep on preaching it until we start doing it. The mark of wisdom is not information. It's not if you win the debate. It's not even if you can teach others. The mark of wisdom is obedience. Obedience. I need to go to the next one. I love this one. Jesus isn't protection from the storm. He's protection in the storm. He's protection in the storm. I'm going to give, here's the two other this is a repeated phrase. Now, this is identical for both, both guys. Since the rains came down, some of you are imagining the song that you sang many years ago in your kids' class. The rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Now, I'm going I'm to tell you, that's the same exact storm for the wise man, the same exact storm for the foolish man. 
Now, I've heard people say, hey, if you become a Christian, easy street, bro. All of your problems. No, I'm going to say all your problems, boom. If someone says you become a Christian, all your problems are gone. I'm going to tell you, either they have no idea about the Christian life, none, or else they're just a liar. And they're trying to sucker you in. Because the truth is, and even, even it's said elsewhere in Scripture, the rain comes down on the just and the unjust. And we could take the roaming mic and go through this room to people that believe in Jesus and we're going to say, hey, has this been easy street? And you know, there's going to be some people that stand up and say, you know what? I went through tough times with my kids. I went through job loss. I went through health issues. I lost a loved one. And so the reality of following Jesus and obeying Jesus is not that the storm won't come. It's not protection from the storm. It's Jesus' protection in the storm. It's that he does never leave he never forsakes. He's always there. And the ultimate revealer of where we truly are is the storm. Pressure, water, heat. You know, these things reveal what's going on subsurface. That was the case with the Leaning Tower of Pisa. There was soft ground. And the weight of it just cause it to be able to start to tilt and tilt and tilt almost indetectably until over time we began to see this, this thing's moving in the wrong direction. And what reveals our hearts are challenges. One has said trials don't make a person. Rather, they reveal what a person's made of. And so here the rain comes down, the storms come up, the floods come and it says, boom, one house comes crashing down and the other one stands firm. And the whole thing of when the storm came, it revealed the foundation. It didn't reveal anything about the superstructure. Let me give this last one. This is where the rubber meets the road. The test, number three, the test begins at the end of the message. My message is about to end and the test will begin. Here's what Jesus said. When, uh, this is what was said by Matthew regarding what Jesus had experienced with the people. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. Wow! Because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So what a way to end his message. I mean, Jesus just does this mic drop you know, if you're, if you're looking at it, here, here's basically how it went. Jesus finishes and he says, you know what? Um, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house. And it fell with a great crash.
What a way to end the message, huh? But I'm not done. He just dropped the mic. And he got him thinking. What am I? What's my foundation? Am I in sand? Am I in rock? When the storms come, what does it reveal about me? Jesus just leveled it and he says, you know what? Forget what you can see. What's going on under the surface. What happens, friends, what happens this morning when we leave this building? What happens when you get in the car with your children? Huh? What happens when you disagree with your spouse? When people say or do things against you? All this stuff is in the Sermon on the Mount. What happens when you're anxious about your life events and things are going awry? That's when we know with the rain, the floods, the wind, that's when we know what our foundation is. So Jesus finishes the message, and it's interesting how Matthew narrates it. He says, the crowds were amazed. Great message, Jesus. Loved it. Here's where it's at. Jesus was teaching for transformation, not inspiration or information. Everyone loves an attaboy. You know, after the sermon, everyone loves a pat on the back, great message, pastor. Yes, loved it. Inspiration. I learned something today, Pastor. Great information. But you know what? Jesus wasn't preaching for either of those. And neither am I. It's for transformation. He wanted to see people's lives changed. He wanted to be able to see them stand when the storms come. He wanted them to see them put their feet on the rock and not just have a nice surface where it all comes crashing down when life happens. That's what Jesus wanted to see. That's what we want to see. So let me ask you, what's your foundation look like? Is it all about the structure for us? Is it all about what people see? I'm smart. I know it. I can reverb this back to others. Is it about the tower or is it about the foundation for you? So to be just like Jesus, I want to be able to echo this today. We believe in the stone that was rolled, but do we live on the rock? Think about it. Another way to put it, Jesus is alive, but what about you? Hmm? Where are we at? And I'm going to give you two things for us to think about today. <clears throat> and the real 
test of today is not in us saying great message or I learned something. It's today changed me. Number one, Jesus wants us all to walk out of here today, not just having heard from baptisms and from the scripture reading and from my message about his death for us, but he wants us to rely in it for salvation. Like he wants us to personally say enough of me thinking I can earn God's favor and get into heaven on my own, like with my piddly good works. I believe Jesus, he died for me. He took God's punishment. He bore God's wrath for my sin. I believe it 100% in God. I accept Jesus today as my rescuer as my forgiver, as my leader. I give my life to him. Friends, that is the rock. Give your life to Jesus today. And if you've never done it, today's the day. Now is the time. Don't put it off. You're on sand and this baby's coming down in the end. Give your life to Jesus. Here's number two. Jesus wants us to walk out of here today thinking about an area of obedience in our lives that we need to surrender to Jesus Christ and start to solidify that foundation. We all have them. I'm just being honest about it. We all have areas of obedience with our words, with our attitudes, with our actions, our responses. We all have them in Jesus wants us to come to grips with those and realize it's not enough to know. We need to live it. Follow through. We can't do it on our own. That's why he rose. He's given us the power to live for him through Jesus Christ and his death for us. Would you stand with me? We're going to sing in just a moment one more song of where we put our foundation. But with your eyes closed, maybe right now you need to pray and say, God, I know my life has been on sand. I know I have been trusting in me, my works. The fact that I'm in church this morning is maybe I through a bone in your direction and you're going to now let me into heaven. But I know it's only through Jesus that he died for me. God, I believe. I give my life to you. I don't want to build on sand anymore. I want to build on the rock. If you've never come to grips with that reality, would you pray that to God right now? I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. I need forgiveness. I want to get off this stinking sand and give my heart to him and stand on the rock. Pray that, would you? Right now, even right now. And others, don't fall into self-deception. I know it. I know this. I know that passage. I know this story. Nice. We're deceived if we don't do it. That's where the rubber meets the road. Pick out an area of obedience. Surrender it to God right now. Right now. Your attitude with your spouse, with your kids, at work, with your enemy, 
Whatever it is, put it out there. Surrender it to him. God, thank you. In a world of sand, there's a rock. As Jesus. And we can stand. Amen? Yeah.